morning. Welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in the community. What did they do to get started and what do they do to continue to accelerate in the leadership lane? And today I'm getting to talk to another special guest. Her name is Latanya McElroy. She is an SPHR. She is a SHRM SCP and she is the Vice President of Human Resources for BCS Data Center Operations. And Latanya and I both get to serve on the Texas SHRM uh, State Council as she leads one of our core leadership areas in certification. And I am so honored to have you on the show today, Latanya. It's an honor to be here, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. I feel special. You are special, and I appreciate you being on. Uh, we're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about certification uh, and the value of that. And so I'm excited to get into all of that. But I'd like to just kind of start with uh, your organization. I would love for you just to share uh, just a brief highlight of what is BCS and how do they serve their customers? Okay, so uh, BCS is a data center operations company and I've had people ask me, so do you host websites or uh, no, we basically um, are the facility operators. We manage facilities for data centers. And so our responsibility is to make sure that um, the operations uh, remain um, our, the, the, the operations continue and that our customers can sleep at night. That's our biggest uh, emphasis is to make sure that where all the data is stored for our customers and there are some large companies that we, we store data for. So when you think about data, think about, for example, your financial institution. There is a place that they rely on to save and secure the data that's in, um, involved in operating a financial institution. And that place is usually a building filled with servers and cooling equipment and power equipment. And our facilities operators do uh, infrastructure. They, they do facilities maintenance uh, in terms of HVAC and electrical type maintenance. And uh, they do preventive, predictive, uh, and repair uh, maintenance. And uh, it's just a, the, there are a whole lot of other services that we offer, but that probably brings it home for most people to understand that we have to make sure those those places are cooled and powered and they're beautiful intricately built facilities and our biggest pride and joy is just making sure we take care of our customers and they don't have to worry about those those facilities oh that's fantastic you know i, I know that's important uh, we, when we relocate uh companies uh when it comes to data and their servers and equipment that's very very like that is a very important thing uh for them and i love how you said you know we help people sleep at night i mean that's that's fantastic it's so important so uh thank you for sharing that i appreciate that now are you uh are you regionally based are you nationwide we are uh, in various states across the country and we hope to have some some locations outside the united states soon but right now we're located in various states all across the country oh fantastic fantastic okay so i i just i'm ready to like really get into this i would love for you to just uh just start by just sharing your story i want to hear latonya mcelroy's story like where did it start and how in the world did you get into hr 
you know, I actually think we don't share that those stories enough. And I've I've been I've been one of those people who, you know, you feel maybe you feel like you're um, you're bragging bragging on yourself when you share your story. But for me, I had to really turn that lens around and say, as a young person who's who's trying to to succeed and trying to make a career or build a career or just figure out what I want to do with my life. Um, it, it would be hard to look at people who are in positions and who are doing what we think is what we call success uh, are successful and um, and then look at my current situation and 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 see a path to that in, unless people start opening up and sharing their stories and honestly I, I just did that the other day because I just felt like people need to know um, that it's not about a title or a position or any of those things, that's really not success, but I, I would like to share how I arrived where I am today. And, and it, would, it was just, you know, the fact is, I, had, I, I, I came from a situation where I, I made some unfortunate decisions, and I think that this will give some people some hope in their um, career paths, because in life, when you, when you get out of high school and you start your career path, you don't always know what direction to take. And sometimes your, your decisions, if you knew what you, if you, if you could look 20 years and know the future, you make probably much better decisions. But at the time, we have no idea what the, the future has in store for us or what God has in store for us. So we make the decisions the best we can. And sometimes not so we don't do such a great job of that. And I'm one of those people. I didn't do the make the best decisions at certain times in my life. And then there were other things that were unforeseen that happened that were not in my within my control. But I'll, I'll never forget that I had to make a decision as a newly single mom who didn't know where we were going to live. Um, had to move back in with parents. I, I had to make a decision as a person who had not completed my degree, who had no, I had no excuse. I had gone to school, all expenses paid. I didn't have to worry about anything. I had scholarships. I had worked hard through high school, mostly because I was a people pleaser, not because I knew what my class rank was until I was about to graduate in, in the top 10. I had no idea. <laughs> But I, was, I just wanted to make sure everybody was happy. I was a perfectionist. I just wanted to do everything that I could to be the best at everything I did. Didn't have any clue what that was leading me to. So I went to school, all expenses paid. And I just made some poor decisions and change, life changes. And then I started a family and other things like that. But my, my, I guess the point I'm making is at some point I ended up with pretty much nowhere to go. I, I either was going to give up or I was going to give give it my best and, and get up. And that's what I chose to do. I, I went and applied for jobs. I, I didn't care what the job was as long as it paid. And it was a job with some dignity and respect. And, I, and so I worked three jobs at one point with, with small children. And and I would, I, I tell this because people don't believe this, but I would work at FedEx in the morning as a package handler in this trailer pulling boxes off of the truck and putting putting them onto the belt and I had to be there at 5 45 in the morning that is too early for anybody to have to do anything but I did every single day and then I would go to my next part-time job that someone created for me in HR because I walked in the door of my credit union where I pay my bill 
and I was nice to the lady at the front desk. And then I went to the teller and I was nice to the teller. And then I said, do you guys have any job openings? And she says, I don't know, but you can get an application from Kathy at the front desk. And I went, oh my God, what was I thinking? I should not have asked that question. I can't get a job at a credit union. They take credit. Um, you know, there are problems there, you know, and I don't have any experience doing any of that teller stuff. So the lady in the next booth heard me and she's digging through her drawer and I could hear the sound of it. And she reaches across the window and hands me an application. And I said, okay, God, you must want me to apply. Mm. So I applied for a job, which was really just, I was applying for a part-time teller job, any job they would offer me. I didn't care if it was mail to care if it was mail delivery. But I got a call before I even got to my next destination once I dropped that application off and was asked to come in for an interview. I came in the very next morning and it was an interview. I thought I was interviewing for a teller position and I was having a great time in the interview, just talking and interacting with our, the HR director. And she said, I think I want to create a position for you. I'm going to ask the president about it. And it's a position in HR. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is HR? <laughs> what is that? And I ended up with a part-time job. I only worked a few days a week. She would have to make me go home because I guess I was over budget or something like that. And I would go to FedEx in the morning and I would go to the credit union and I would wash up in the bathroom. Like this is embarrassing to tell for most people, they wouldn't believe it, but I would go and I'd have my stash and my change of my clothes, my change of clothes and I freshen up and I would change clothes and I would go and, and work in the, in the office and I worked I worked so hard with, with whatever job I did I, I, I didn't just do enough to get done and clock out and go home I would be looking for work I was researching I was trying to figure out more I could do how could I make it better how could I I could develop this program do you know about the EEOC program do you know about this and I would ask her about all these things and she said go at it have at it Latanya go mm -hmm. go for it Latanya and I would bring her all this and I would research and that's how I found Sherm and um, so at the end of the day, the, the really the moral of the story is, and then I worked for a law firm on the days I didn't work for, I met a guy in a restaurant on my way to lunch and, and I started talking and he said, I need some help in my firm. And I said, I know how to do that. And it was, it was related to administrative work and bankruptcy. And I said, I've done some of that before the trustee uh, in Pennsylvania and Texas, and I could, I could probably do that and came in for an interview. So I had three jobs. I would bounce between these three. Well, but fast, fast forward, the main point in that is you don't know sometimes where you're going. You don't know how to get there and you don't need to know. All you need to do is take advantage of the opportunity you have today. And that is what I learned from that experience. I taught my children the same thing. Wherever you are, work as hard as you can. Do more than what's asked of you. Never leave without giving plenty of notice. Work as hard your last day as you did your first day. And if you will work as if your paycheck is signed by God himself and that he is the only one who sees and knows, you don't have to worry about making your boss happy. You don't have to worry about your integrity, your character, because you know when door is shut or, and you're the only one there and you're paying yourself out of the, out of the cash register that, that you're going to do the right thing and that God is going to see that and he's going to reward you. My first job was a bridal shop because I was in, I wanted to be in every dance, but my mom was a single parent and I wanted to go to every dance. So my mom was in this bridal shop every time and we would rent these dresses for like $20 and we would return the dresses. 
but we were faithful and loyal customers. And when she wanted to go on vacation or spend a weekend away and not have to be in the bridal shop, Mrs. Reed would call on my mom to come and work. And eventually my mom was too busy. So she would say, well, can you send Darnish, which is my middle name? And I would go and work in Mrs. Reed's bridal shop next to her husband's appliance repair shop next to their home. And like way down in the, you know, a part of the city where not a lot of people go right now, but I did. And I worked there every time she needed me. And she would say, just pay yourself out of the drawer. That was my first job. I would pay myself. She didn't know, it was not a fancy cash register. She didn't know how much money we brought in that day, how many people came and rented an item. We would write up, I would write up the tickets. I would do the measurements. I would do everything I could. But she said, pay yourself out of the drawer before you leave for how many hours you were there. So I would pay myself $5 per hour. And I never thought, even thought about taking more than what I was uh. supposed to have. Nobody would know. It was just me. I'm 16 or 17 in a bridal shop all by myself. I never thought about it, but if you will take advantage of the opportunity you have in that moment and you would work as if you're working for God himself, you don't have to worry about anything else. And that's really the only key and answer to me, in my opinion, to success in life is just doing those basic principles. Oh. And that's how I ended up in HR. <laughs> and that's the rest of the story. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There is so much here. Uh, first of all, I think about the quote that I heard Mike Singletary say when I heard him speak when I was a young leader. And he said, you know what my what I enjoy most about playing football? It's the opportunity to play. He talks about opportunity. I took advantage of opportunities. You know, uh, you're, you're sharing this story. And my mind quickly goes back to my mother. My mother was a single parent. She had five children and she worked three jobs. And I'm sitting here like envisioning like what that could have been like, how challenged that is. But yet you found the opportunities, took advantage of it. Number one. Number two, uh, you talk about you're a values driven leader. Like when you said, I, there's, I didn't even think twice about like taking extra money. I mean, this is just how I am. Um, and I have the opportunity to do this. I mean, that right there is, man, that is so good. I have chills. <laughs> that is so good. That is so good. So uh, I want to ask you this. Um, you, you talked about the lady at the bank, the next to the teller that handed you that application. To me, I think about, you know, I think about mentorship. I think about people that, uh, God puts in our lives, um, to uh, help us along the way. Uh, number one, either shows us what, what good looks like or, or what not good looks like, right? Can you like talk about just some people that have like um, helped you along the way? I mean, you shared a little bit in your story. Uh, who were some mentors, number one, and do you mentor others today? Okay, good questions. And I, and I, I think back and Veronica was the name of the lady who did that for me. Mm -hmm. And you know, sometimes we, we, mentor, we mentor people and we don't know it. Um, in other words, sometimes we, we just need to be who God wants us to be in the moment and or who, you know, live our life values-based and character-based in the moment. And you just don't know who you'll have an impact on. And she um, didn't think anything of it. But that same lady came to me after I was working for a little while and she says, I'm thinking about starting a business and I want to get a business loan. And I don't know, 
I need a business plan or something like that. And I don't know what it is. And she didn't have the means to research it and find it on her own. So I researched and I found at the time, I'm assuming she did it because she came to me, but I went and found a business plan example. And I kind of talked to her, talked her through the process and she finished her business plan and she got the loan and she started a business that's still in business today here in, in our city. That's that woman that handed me that teller application was working, you know, as a teller herself that that day. And fast forward, you know, 10 years or actually it's been 15 years now, but she's been in business for, I think, over 10 years or approximately 10 years now on her own. And and so uh, she helped. She was reaching to help me. But but I still think back. that's the kind of person she was. Mm. And now you see where it took her. And um, for me, men mentoring can be like that. And in a lot of cases, people have mentored me and they didn't know it. Um, but there are some people who were, were instrumental in mentoring me, whether it was directly or indirectly. First of all, the women in my life as I was being raised, they were my mentors. My mother was my mentor. She, mm. she was my biggest cheerleader. She, she was my motivation to keep doing what I did. She, she was one of those people who whenever I did something, her children did something good, she was one of those people who wanted to tell the whole world and she would tell our family and she would tell our friends and she would put it in the church announcements. Okay. And whenever you, whenever you feel that sense of, of, of pride and that, you know, that someone's in your corner and that they're pushing for you and that they're that proud of the things that you, you accomplish, it makes you, it, you realize that people actually see, see me. And my mom gave me that. And she gave my brother and my sister that. And my aunts and my grandmother, they gave that. They were also very successful people. They had that inner drive and they overcame a lot of odds. One of my aunts, didn't, they didn't have the opportunities we have, but they took advantage of the ones they did. One of my aunts washed clothes for a living for a period of time. And she, when she was a little girl, she, she would clean houses and everything. And the people she worked for didn't always show her kindness, but she kept going. And there were, there were times when she had have to redo the load because one little item was wrong or didn't look right. And she couldn't figure out why, but she'd have to re redo the whole thing and start over <laughs> all the washing. And then after that, it would be after dark and she wouldn't have a way home because she would take a bus, but the buses would stop. So she would have to walk all the way many several miles at night without without light without you know and the person she worked for had transportation but didn't take her home but she didn't quit and she she kept going and she ended up retiring at a company a local telephone company years later i have another aunt who was um was a part of the a um when school choice became or integration became a choice, I forget the freedom of choice, but they made incentives for people to actually go through the process of integration while it was legal to, um, and the law for the schools to be integrated, they were not. And she was one of the first to decide to go to a school um, that had been previously segregated and leave her school that she where she'd grown up and she left and her locker was bombed she opened her locker and she could have mm. been killed mm. she um 
was they 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 had to have the National Guard come in and seal the school because there were people trying to hurt the students, trying to riot against the integration process. And you know, that's a, a little ugly part of our history. I'm really not focused on the fact that it was a racial, there were racial issues. That's not what this is about. This is about someone who did what was not popular, what was hard, mm -hmm. and she succeeded. She she was successful. She became an officer on our campus. My dad was a vice vice president of of um, student the student body, and these are things that should not uh, should not have happened. The other aunt was in the top uh, seven of her class. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a lot of students. She was the first one uh, to be in the top ten uh, who was a minority at that school. Um, the one that who had the locker bombed went on to be an HR manager for BP. I didn't even know that until I was deep in HR that she had gone on to be HR at Red Pier local Red River Army Depot and then on to progress in her field to work for um, oil companies. And she was the first one to be minority uh, woman to have be the HR director for a refinery in in Virginia. And she 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 progressed in her field but this is the same woman who went against the odds and did what was hard and overcame adversity and kept being good you know um and kept doing the right thing and and so this is her and then the other aunt who was the first to be in the top 10 went on to work many many years and retire at dow chemical and she still has patents on some chemical um formulas that she created and they're still using her trainings that she developed for the labs all over the world um, because she be, she was in charge of training all the uh, prep, preparation and training for all of the the lab workers but she's a chemist by um trade but these are things that they taught me and they didn't know they were teaching me i get to go and look at their lives and talk to them and realize it's because of who they were that they were able to do those things and i learned those traits from being around around them, that stick to itness, that tough men mentality, that not giving up, that fighter on the inside, all that came from them, and the character came from them. And then, of course, I had Robert Utzi. He was a band director, but I didn't have a lot of great male role models growing up. Mm -hmm. A lot of our our men had difficulties and so many things to overcome. Um, so many closed doors, so many, so much lack of opportunity that it, it was hard to find a man who was successful in his own right. You had, there, there were men who would work the same job and make very little money for years and years and years and years, but they were faithful and took care of their families. And then there were others who just felt that they just didn't ever have the opportunities in life. I had uncles that went to the military and came back and endured so many things, but they didn't have the same rights after they came back that others did. So they had to really struggle through life a little bit more. So you find in our history, my history, there were men, there were great men, that, but they weren't. there weren't so many that you could look up to because they had their own battles and their own struggles. And I had a few in my family that inspired me for sure. But uh, and we had those in our church who were always supportive and inspirational that served our church and rebuilt our church when it was burned a couple of times and just did so many different things. But my band director was this amazing man. His name is Robert Etsy or was Robert Etsy the late and he inspired students in a way where that you knew in order to succeed, you were going to have to work. Mm. but he made you want it. 
and he would say, you got to want it. And he would thump our fingers and say, you, you got to want it. And if we didn't have it the next, we, he would give us an assignment and we didn't have it ready or we didn't practice, he would thump our, he would thump our fingers. He actually would throw, <laughs> he was known for throwing things. But at the end of the day, we knew it wasn't, it wasn't about us, him being you know, embarrassed or him being the best. It was about what he knew we could do and he wanted to get the best out of us. And he pushed us and he would say phrases like, we can, we shall, we will, and he would make mm. us repeat it. And you're mm. talking to the kids that come from all different backgrounds, come from, you know, some were, some were great and some were not so great. It didn't matter who you were when it was over and done with, you knew we can, we shall, we will. And he ingrained these things. He said, don't be on time, be ahead of time. I'm still working on that one, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> and he would say, he would say, I'm going, we're going, we're going either with you or without you. In other words, we were a successful band. We were sweepstakes all the time. We never in the history of the time that I was with him had a second rating in anything, anything. And I was, I was first in the state because of him on my trumpet, because of him pushing. But he would say, I don't care who you are, we will go with you or without you, believe it or not. And in other words, you either get, get here, get on board, or you get left. And he made it clear that these were the standards. And if you don't meet them, the standards don't change. You, the standards are going to stay the same. You need to you need you need to rise to the standard. And he would make us do that. And he and and one other thing that uh, that stood out that he would he would say, um, we can we shall we will. Um, but he said this one thing that I'll never forget. He said, I don't care how good you are, there's always someone better than you. And he always said that, and it would and it, it it would make you push because a lot of times we want to compare ourselves to the people in the room or the people in our family, or the people in our neighborhood, or the people on our team. And what happens is we get to a point and we think we're at the highest point because we're better than the people in the room, in our minds, somehow we think that. May, may not even be true, but that's the mentality. But he said, but he, he created a different view when he said, I don't care how good you are, there's always someone better than you. Mm. And so it, it, made, it took you from competing with the person next to you to competing with yourself. Okay, I was this good yesterday, but I need to be better. I need to be better than I was yesterday, in spite of how I measure up to other people. And so he gave you that mentality, there's always someone better than you. And I'll never forget all of the lessons that he taught. And I'm 44 years old. I graduated high school at 17. I had, an, I had the privilege and honor to have seven years, fifth grade to 12th grade with, with Mr. Hudson, eight years. And that's all. But he's still having an impact on my life today. Mm. And of course, there are people in our field who have mentored me over the years or people who believed in me when I didn't, you know, I can name so many people who mm. believed in me and who pushed me and who've inspired and encouraged me. And I, I would leave them, a lot of people out if I began to do that. But the main thing is that mentoring doesn't just happen on purpose. And for me, that is how I mentor. I try not to mentor in a way that I'm, you're my mentee and I'm looking <laughs> down on you. Right. I try to live a life that's an example and I try to be a light. My first, my first opportunity is my own children. I have daughters and a son. And I first think that's my first priority for mentorship. Of course, I've been teaching um, which with COVID, we haven't been doing this so much, but Bible study and, and Sunday school for 
20 over 20 years or some in some form or fashion teaching or working with youth for over 20 years um, that um, that leads me to mentoring children from our church or mentoring my own um, children's friends and you know you don't really know you're mentoring people until sometimes they reach out to you and say you know mr Arnish, thank you for everything you've done for me and uh, you've always been someone i could look up to and thank you for praying for me or thank you and i go and i think to myself what did i do and it can be one little thing you know you can just say you're beautiful and you can do it anything you put your mind to you can do it and you might be just saying it in passing and moving on but if i think that if your life does most of the speaking and you use words when necessary which someone says i preach at all times but use words only when necessary then you're mentoring without even knowing it sometimes mm. and that's probably the majority of the mentoring I do. I do have people that I check in with and make sure I'm talking to on a regular basis. And of course, our HR team, um, I try to be an inspiration somehow to our team team and um, help them grow and reach whatever potential um, and goals they have. But most of it is more, more indirect. Wow, listen, I am so inspired. We're only halfway through and I am so inspired. That is so good. I, I appreciate you sharing that. I was thinking what a gift uh, to have, uh, first of all, your, your band director. I mean, someone, uh, I was listening to uh, someone talk about, you know, great mentors will challenge you along the way. And it sounds like that's what he did. He challenged you to be better, not ever be complacent, just keep getting better along the way because the better you get them you know the more you can help others but uh typically my guests are supposed to be the ones to have tears in their eyes but when you're telling your story <laughs> about your mom i'm my, i'm sitting here i've got tears in my eyes i'm about to ball here that was uh that was so good and i appreciate you sharing that because i i know that's going to help a lot of people I, i'm wondering um you know now you know you, you shared that you know we're, we're, in, we're in this covid covid time covid arrived we're navigating through that i'm curious you know as far as like your leadership, have you seen that, or have you had to change your leadership approach at all because of this COVID? Are you doing anything different or, 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 or not? Um, you know, I'm, I, I could say what COVID has, what has changed most about my leadership for this period of, or season of time has been transparency. Mm. Um, more, I've been more transparent than before, and and part of it is just being intentional about uh, that, and also building relationships with with um, others that you know that I'm leading. What this has taught me is you you have to lead by example, and you can't ask from others things that you don't require of yourself. And I always have. I've always given more than wanted to give more than I've ever asked anybody else. I would never ask anybody else to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. There is no job that I won't do. My a title doesn't, you know, a lot of people think that leaders just kind of don't do anything but tell other people what to do or organize other people's work and that they don't really work. And so for me, transparency has been in and having the same grit that I expect from my team and putting in the same effort that I expect from my team. And, and I show them, 
I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't tell people what to do. I show people what to do. And in that case, I, I demonstrate what I expect. And so um, the accountability is there. We have a touch point meeting on Mondays. We have a full meeting with an agenda that goes through every single area within our teams, or within our departments. And everybody is responsible for reporting out. And this is just my team. We keep track of statuses. And at the end of the week, we have a final um, meeting to talk about what are the big rocks or big things that we're going to be carrying over into next week and what are our successes from this week? Where do we fall short, short on the goals that we set for this week and or any of the major uh, thing, agenda items we had at the start of the week? And, um, and that has been, you know, probably the most instrumental part of, of um, my leadership, the changes that I've seen in my leadership is that transparency. Um, because I feel like leaders have to be accountable too. And a lot of times people are kind of turned off when you start making demands and asking them, okay, where are you on this? Because what the tendency is on with, with virtual is for leaders to get scared that their people aren't working, right? Yeah. So what you do is you start creating all these checkpoints and, and, and items that they have to do. And then you want to know, where are you on this? Where are you on that? Where are you on this? And where, where are you on that? And people feel like they're just, their demand, there being demands made on their time. And it's almost like they're doing it because they have to. But my, my phrase, which you mentioned earlier is, you never do anything like you have to do it, you do it like you get to do it. Mm. And so the challenge is to inspire people to want to do. And, you know, we, we help hold everyone accountable, but be the example and show, be transparent, let people see what, the same thing you expect, demonstrate that. Hmm. And uh, so you're, if you're not sleeping half the day and then getting up and pretending you've been working, you won't really have to worry about your team members doing it. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh, that is so good. I, I love that. I, I will tell you that I think that that's one of the things that I've heard from many different HR leaders um, and, and people and team members is that they feel like today they're working even harder than they ever have because there's so many of these checkpoints, right? So, mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I'm curious, do you have, did you have remote work before or do you have remote work going on now? We're, our um, administra corporate administration is in Texarkana. Okay. And then we have corporate technical services in our, in our corporate, our main headquarters is, um, just about finished remodeling, re re reconstruction actually, actually, but that's in Addison. Um, and so we have those two main, main uh, offices. Well, um, most of corporate administration has been in an office. We've been together up until COVID and uh, we went to, through a point where it's work from home for sure. Everybody just work from home period, no working in office to, um, um, work back to work and then when the pandemic kind of didn't do what we thought it was going to do we went back to working from home but you can come to the office and it's optional so most everybody is working from home um, but of course all of our teams are on a physical physical site but we work harder like you said from home than than we i we ever did we we always have worked hard as a team we've always worked hard but it does seem like we work even harder now that we're working from home. I mean, there is a lot I can tell you about that, but I think it's a good thing. 
I think for productivity, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, and I think a lot of it too, whenever we look at that, I think it's like, okay, typically we would be driving into work, right? So uh, we, we're scheduling stuff during that drive or we don't have that, uh, we call it transition time, right? Yeah. We don't have that transition time. Okay, now we're gonna go to these different places and we're not doing that now. So therefore we're filling it up with work. And, and then at the end of the day, we're like, oh my gosh, I am just exhausted. Yeah. Uh, but, and uh, I've had a conversation with a couple of different HR leaders and we're talking about, you know, remote work, is it here to stay? And I think what we're finding is, is that we figured out that we can do it, but it is so much better when we're all together in one environment. Yeah, I agree. We use, we use Teams a lot and we do have a lot of video calls and we're, we're chatting, um, engaging with the team all day long with Teams chat. It's, it's an excellent tool and I'm sure there are other ones, but we really enjoy that because we, and we share documents in OneNote um, and SharePoint. And so we are really, really closely tied. I think the key though to not getting burned out and not over um, extending yourself or not, not, not feeling like you just um, are my, my kids. When here's what happened. My sister told me at my birthday party, you're a workaholic. Mm. Well, she was telling someone else she's a workaholic. And I went, how does she know? <laughs> um, but she realized that when she text messaged me at seven, I'd be going, oh, I'm just getting off work or yeah, I've just been working. I hadn't really paid attention. You know, that, started sending signals to people who don't live in the same house that you just work too much. So I actually started creating boundaries and mm -hmm. that's just the bottom line. Um, I started saying, you know what, I'm going to take time for myself. I'm going to take time for my family. Self was the last thing I was taking care of, to be honest. And I don't know what I like. I don't know what I'm reading. I don't know what I want to eat. I don't, I don't even know who I am anymore for a moment. I was thinking because all I know is work. Um, <laughs> But uh, I started really just focusing on, um, you know, taking a break for real, taking a break, taking a lunch break sometimes, you know, uh, taking a snack break every now and then, uh, stopping work. And it's okay to like not come back in here, you know, after 530 or six and not come back. You know, there are times when I do still um, and I'm always available 24 seven. But I had to actually create some structure around it so that I could be my best when I'm at work and um, take some time to relax, go fishing with my husband, um, you know, do a Kiwi co-science project with my grandson, <laughs> and or just play, play with Play-Doh for that, for that matter. It didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I, I, I think that uh, at the end of the day, it starts with us, right? <clears throat> we have to, um, first, we have to take care of our ourselves uh uh and, and because you know what it's kind of like you know you're flying an airplane and they tell you to put on the mask first so you can help others so we have to take care of ourselves first so i'm glad to hear that uh it, and i think there are some silver linings in this COVID era and that is it's allowed us to kind of do some like some assessments some self-assessments on mm -hmm. you know where we're at i love what you're talking about you're talking a lot about um i, I share when i do a lot of presentations i talk about goals um mm -hmm. and i in particular i talk about who goals and who you want to be and i love how have you have you've talked about that uh as well. I, I would love to, I want to shift gears just for uh, a minute here. And, you know, you, you're, you're talking about leading your team. You're, I mean, you're busy, you're busy, busy, busy. And now all of a sudden, uh, let's talk Texas Sherm leadership. Um, you mm -hmm. also volunteer on the Texas Sherm State Council. 
uh, you're a core leadership area director in the area of certification. Um, and uh, a couple of questions. Number one, I would love for you to share uh, why do you think it's important to volunteer? Because again, you're busy and that you're still finding time to do that. And then number two, uh, what, what is it that you actually do as far as like a, a we call it a CLA, but a core leadership mm -hmm. area director in the area certification? Okay. So Texas, well, first of all, Sherm, I discovered Sherm when I was learning about HR and I, I couldn't wait to get a membership. So I, so I, um, I got that as soon as possible. And then I found a chapter. I found a chapter because I was like, oh, they have chapters too. So <laughs> I found, I was like, oh my gosh, there are people in Texarkana. And so I Googled and I found this chapter here and I got engaged with the local chapter and I just started doing all kinds of things then. I mean, they just put me to work immediately on a committee. <laughs> That's what they'll do. They'll put you to work. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what I was getting into. Joey, Dwayne. I was like, what? Yeah. Yes, I'll do it. But I, do you think I can? And they were like, oh, we know you can do it. And they would push me into all these little different things. And then I ended up being an officer in the chapter and serving. But I'll tell you, one of the things that is key to the, one of the key reasons I volunteer is because I see what it did for me mm. when I was a little a person learning HR had no clue what I was doing to be embraced by people who were like trailblazers in oh. HR and told you can do it and to be able to network and be around those people at the meetings little me in the room with these great people I'm working a part-time HR assistant job and then staffing coordinator job and I'm in the room with these great people business owners and HR directors and managers and they believed in me and we would have committee things and I would be leading it and it which it felt so good it was and it was opportunity for me to develop as a person and as a leader it was an opportunity for me to develop relationships so I could go and ask people now to this day if I need something I can go to some of those same people and ask questions or or now I find myself being a person that someone comes to for quest, for questions and and our network with Dallas HR and all the shared uh, information and finding templates and finding all kinds of things and just asking real life questions I've been able to do that so now I want to do that for other people and I want to be someone who's available to other people and to help them advance our profession and to make sure we have good solid qualified people doing hr you know everybody who has a title hr represents all of us mm. and we need to make sure that we as a profession are doing a good job that we as a, a people in the profession are taking care of people in the workplace taking care of our workplaces making sure our workplaces are good that they're places where people want to be and that they know they're going to be treated with dig dignity respect equity, fairness, inclusion, that they know that um, they'll have opportunities to grow. And even in situations where it's not so good, that they, we can help them to develop improve the performance. You know, a lot without HR, a lot of companies have a lot more turnover. They have a lot more, um, they have a lot more issues because they don't have anybody who's got the finger on the pulse of the organization and care who's caring about building relationships and employee satisfaction. And um, so for me, it was a no brainer to get involved and to volunteer. And then here, it just kind of ended up the rest is history. You, you know, as, as they say, once you start getting into it, you just can't get, you can't get away from it. When you are away from it, you miss it. You feel like you're not connected or you're missing <laughs> something. It's like you're missing a whole arm or something. That's how I feel. So it's been, a, a joy and a 
a pleasure to do to do any kind of service. And I just ended up on the ballot for president-elect for my chapter. Now I'm involved in the state council, but I'm still involved at the local level. And I'm thankful for that. I gave the board a break a little bit because you need some new, fresh ideas and mm -hmm. new people and new blood. And that's great. I was chapter president like 11, 12 years ago. So the honor, it would be an honor to be able to serve again. And I'll spend my president-elect year doing what you're going to be doing for the Texas State Council, which I hope, which we will be building leaders. So we'll have other people kind of coming along. And one of my HR assistants that I hired at my previous job, she's an HR manager or director now, or what I don't her title officially, but she's grown and uh, she's she's moved up in terms of her her responsibilities and she says she she would be glad to be president-elect after me and that'll give me a chance to mentor her and to wow. share with her what i'm learning to help her to be better equipped for it in the next year so that's um the volunteer side now with texas sherm i do uh, certification that's my core leader area and certification is a passion of mine and and one of the reasons is when i was when I finally finished my bachelor's degree, and it took me like nine years to finish working and taking care of a family, but I finally finished. You when did I it. That finish line, I was just like, ah! <laughs> ah! and um, so then I was like, I had this plan that I had written during my bachelor's degree um, process, and my plan was I'll get my bachelor's degree then I'll take a certification exam mm. to get the certification for HR. Then I'll get my master's degree. And I had all this stuff planned out. And because I had it written out and I shared it, I actually did it. And so my first next thing after my, after graduation was, okay, now I have to get ready for the certification exam for HR. And I self-studied. I did not know how crazy that was at the time. I didn't have all the materials that everybody has now. I just got a, I ordered a book on Amazon that was about this thick and that was it. And everything else was like, what is that? I don't get it. Go online, research it. Sherm and other places and DOL and all these government sites. I was going and just learning as I went. And then I took that first exam and I got it. I was like, yes, I passed it. And then I went three years and I let it lapse like fourth or fifth year because I was so engrossed in my job. I forgot. Oh no. And I had changed jobs. So the emails were going another place. And long and short, I finally said, Oh my gosh, this certification, I need to renew it. And they were like, It's too late for that, honey. You're going to have to take another test. So I said, Okay, well, I got the PHR. Now I think I'll just go ahead and try for the SPHR. So I, again, I self studied and I just worked and buckled down. And I spent a couple of days after, you know, right before the test. I spent some time before that, but I buckled down and I went and self studied and took the test again. And I said, I'll never do this again. I got, I passed it, but but I would not recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> not recommended. <laughs> oh man, I love that. I, I tell you, you could have, you could have like, I love how you responded to that. You were like, you know what? I'll let it lapse. Okay. You know what? I'm going to level up. I'm going to do SPHR. I mean, you could have responded with, well, I can't believe they won't even renew my certification. I mean, I love that. I, I you know, I have people that ask me and they're like, Hey, you know what? I've been in HR for many years. I'm thinking about taking my certification. Should I? What, what do you have to say to people that are thinking about it? If you're in HR, especially if you're in HR, you need to do it. I think anybody wants to get in HR and, and has spent any number of years, even in a part-time capacity or going to school related to it, should be thinking about it. But if you're in HR and you've been in it a number of years, I really think it's important 
um, to get, and I remember we talked about the three C's and I, and I just kind of made a note of, uh, to myself to remember to talk about that. With certification, here's what you get. You get competency. Mm. Competency is so important. We can be doing something for so long and, and not know that, you know, that we're not doing it the way it's supposed to be done or what's working. Maybe, to, you know, one of the things I like to garden, I love oh. uh, to plant things. I do. I really do. I love to plant things. And, and I've learned a lot of tough lessons with gardening. When you just plant in the ground though, it's like, I planted in the ground and I, I, I hats off to anybody who can do in-ground gardening, but that ain't my thing. I did a whole half of backyard and I just totally destroyed my backyard, tilling it up and plant, planting all this stuff because all the stuff I planted was good, but all these weeds were all over the place, grass and everything else. And it grew and it kind of like took over my garden and I couldn't really figure out how to fix that because the, the grass was so deeply rooted it was, and it was coming up because I had planted in the ground. Um, there, there are some lessons learned with that. I, now I have an above ground bed and I have trapped out all of the grass and weeds um, by put compartmentalizing it. And now I spend less time dealing with weeds and grass and other issues and more time just cultivating my plants that I've, I've planted. And that's to me the difference between working in HR without a certification. Mm and working in HR with a certification. You have to deal with so many other issues that sometimes we create ourselves just for lack of knowledge, lack of competency, that we could, we could, deal, we could spend less time fixing problems and more time being proactive. Because when you, when you get your, your, your certification, you can be proactive about, about fixing problems, about addressing issues. And, be, and before they happen, you've already got the plan, the structure laid out to prevent that. And so competency is important. So competency is that comparison for me. That certification gives you that competency. You're not just out there winging it, fighting with all of that. Of course, you're gonna have weeds and of course you're gonna have, but it just diminished, the problems are so much wow. more diminished when you have that, that uh, foundation. And then another thing it gives you is confidence. When you know that you, you know, you may not know all the answers, but you know where to find them now. Yeah. You know, they're out there now, you know, the structure, you know, that there's a law about this somewhere. You might not remember the name of it, but you know enough not to get in trouble because you can go and do your research and come back to address the issue later. You don't have to keep it all up here, but you need to know that it's out there and know where to find it. And confidence that you have the confidence now that there's not a there's not a mine. I'm not going to step on a landmine over here or a landmine over here because I I understand what I'm dealing with. I'm confident. I know where to step. I know I know where I can walk with confidence and not have to worry about falling into a trap. And then then credibility. For me, um, especially you know being who I am. Whenever you're a people pleaser or you grow up without not really fully fully knowing sometimes who you are and you don't have that full total self-confidence. And I've met people that are just, they, they grew up like that. Me, I had to earn my confidence. <laughs> I had to earn it. I had to earn it with hard work and proving to myself that I could do it. But, um, but credibility is, is, is the other thing. What people, how people see you, um, you know, how confidence is how you see yourself and, and credibility is how other people see you. And, 
whenever people know that you got the letters behind your name, um, it does for some people or most people come with a little bit of credibility. They give you a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt. You can come to the boardroom and have the, a different conversation. You can be saying the same thing, but you're having a different conversation because the people on the other side of the table may receive it better because they, because they, they have confidence in you because they see you as credible. And I think that that's a key um, to it. And you'll notice a lot of job requirements now have that on them or prefer that. And then there's, I guess that's the reason for that. No, I'm, I'm so glad you shared. Okay, so we actually uh, put together a video about a year ago about the three C's, confidence, credibility, competence. I'm going to also put that in the show notes because I, I think that was, uh, that, that's good. That's a good reminder. I appreciate how you laid all of that out uh, because um, I, I just want to add to that. And that is when I took my certification, uh, all these three things showed up. Absolutely. You are right on Latonya. Okay. But the one that really showed up was what you just now talked about is when you get in a conversation, all of a sudden your conversation can go wider. It can go bigger because you're talking about, you know, business strategy, risk management, workforce plan. You're all of the different mm -hmm. competencies. You're not just yeah. talking about one particular area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh man. That is so good. I am going to put that in the show notes. And if you want more information on that, I know Latonya will be a great resource for that. I want to, uh, I have uh, one, one other thing I wanted to just dive into before we get to it's time to accelerate. And that is we talked about, you know, leading teams and, and talking about leading as a volunteer, but about, you know, leading yourself, you, you kind of touched on it earlier. Uh, and I'm just wondering, is there a, is there a daily practice that you have that keeps you on track every day? Is there something that you do every yeah. day? Yeah. So um, recently I was reading about all of the six things that, that every successful person does. And I want to tell you, everybody doesn't do the same thing. That's just the bottom line. But there are some core things that we, we do need to be doing to lead ourselves. And one of the things that I do, and everybody's is going to look different, is every day I, I spend a little time with a devotion. And for me, um, that grounds me and that devotion keeps me centered and focused. Um, you'll find when we get away from things like that, you're not the best person you want you, you need to be. And I, I don't know if anybody perfect on the planet and I'm not. And so when I get away, if I get away from that for any time that I can tend to, to digress into some negative thinking and some negative habits and mindsets. And so that devotion is important to me. Um, I spend some time kind of meditating on a scripture and kind of applying it to my life. And of course, prayer, but my husband's a big, big, big intercessor. Me, I'm I like my devotion time and I kind of like to listen more than I do the talking. Um, and then another thing I do is I listen to sermons and messages and positive things that in, inspire me and uplift me and people who speak to me as a person um, that are outside of, you know, talking about professions and talking about, but speak to my inner, inner person, my inner man, and just give me that motivation. To, to keep going and um, and and so I do that every day. I listen to positive music. I know a lot of people like to listen to the top music on 
on the radio or on XM or on whatever Apple. But for me, I have I feed myself all day, every day. And I think what you put in is what you're gonna get out. And the some of the stuff that's out there is just not, it's just not, it's just not <laughs> something that's gonna help anybody. So listening to good music, positive things that uplift, and you know, I do that. I'm reading. And some, I'm a busy person, like not busy as in I've always got to be somewhere, but I like to be moving around and doing things too. So I'm an audible person too. Mm -hmm. I do listen to audible. So I listen to the Bible experience on audible. Sometimes it's got a lot of dramatization to the Bible. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. And I also listen to some audio books and, um, and things like that. One of the books I'm listening to right now is called Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. It's good. It's what's kind it, of a, What's it called? Cast, C-A-S-T-E. It Not for everybody, but it talks a little bit about the system, the invisible systems um, that exist for us in this, in this society, and it gives a good history lesson. It's a little, it's an ouch moment for a lot of the books, so I don't recommend it necessarily to everybody, but it was very enlightening to help me to see where we are and how we got here in terms of the dynamics that we're seeing politically and, and racially across our country and the division and so many of those things. It helped me to kind of see how we got here and um but i don't think it's you know i don't think it's divisive but it for some people could pr probably be a hard read wow. um, and i spend time with my try to spend time with my family and um recharge like me and my husband started fishing more and um, play golf with my brother not oh wait a minute did you awesome. just say you you fish and play golf that is fantastic yes and it's been so fun. I got to send you some pictures of me holding fish because people are like, are you taking them off the hook yourself? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, my um, gosh. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. I absolutely yeah. love that. Well, um, I, I appreciate you, you sharing all that. You know, it's interesting how you mentioned earlier that when you don't do your normal practice, how it can really make you feel different. I'm the same way. I have my quiet time in the morning and then yeah. I and then I go run or I go work out and if I you know that from time to time I I miss right we all do right mm -hmm. and I just feel different those days and so I, I appreciate you sharing that okay so I got one more question and then and then I want to just head down the stretch here and that is, you've given some incredible advice you you've listen you're in your lane you are in your lane helping people um, in in the HR community I'm, I'm wondering, is there any other advice you would like to share uh, that, you know, you've been given or, or that you find yourself sharing with others? Hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I can't really think of any one thing. I probably will regret if I share this one, but I will say this comes to mind. Okay. If you've never had anybody sit across a desk from you that you respect, and this brings tears to my eyes still today, who tells you you will never be something or never do something. And maybe it's not a person who's done that, but maybe life has said that to you, like you're never going to be or you, you can't do, or just kind of beat you up and made you feel like you, you're not going to succeed in some way, shape, or fashion. And I say this because it happened to me, and 
and the lady probably didn't know how badly it hurt me when she did it, but she told me I would never be the director of HR. She said that plainly to me. And I'll, I'll tell you, I was, I was in tears. I was hurt. Um, I was disappointed. And I was more than anything, I was feeling like invisible. Hmm. You know, I knew, I knew who I thought I was, but evidently what she, who she thought I was was someone else. And that hurt more, probably more than anything. But then I also realized there must be some deficiencies or issues, some deficiencies or issues that I have that I need to get fixed. I don't know, I had all kinds of thoughts. But the one thing I will say to anybody is you don't let you or anybody else talk you out of becoming your best, mm -hmm. whatever that looks like. And, and if you can just continue to fight for yourself, if you won't quit on yourself, if you will just keep pushing, no matter what obstacles come your way, whatever it is that we call success, it may not look the same for everybody, but it could be success in relationships. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. You can do it. And I just say, don't let anybody else or yourself even talk you out of it. That's fantastic. You know, uh, John Maxwell, I, I remember his father used to tell him, uh, if you'll just do these three things, you will have an incredible life. Uh, number one is uh, you need to believe in people. Uh, number two is you need to value people. And number three is you need to unconditionally love people. I mean, just those three things. And as you're sharing that, that's all that comes to mind. And I appreciate you sharing that because I guarantee you there's somebody out there that needed uh, and, and appreciates you sharing that message up Appreciate that. Okay, so I'm going to just go ahead and shift into it's time to accelerate. These are the last few questions as we wrap up here. Uh, you talked about uh, reading books and listening to podcasts uh, or Audible. Uh, is there a preference? Would you rather read a book or listen to a podcast? Uh, or, uh, or Audible is part of that. Yeah, I'd rather listen. I, I mean, and that really challenges me because I'm not very oral in terms of learning, but I'd rather listen because reading requires you to sit still. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You got to sit still. Latonya does not sit still, folks. Uh, okay. How about favorite food? Um, lately, me and our family, we've been on like some Korean kind of food. So we have this Korean grill, which is kind of like a tabletop grill. And we, we like will take... Um, slices of chicken and beef and and fry them on that grill like right there in front of you on the table and then stick them with some rice and a in a but in a wad of lettuce like you just hold the lettuce and then you like stick the fried meat in there right off the grill with some rice and you ball it up and you just stick the whole thing in your mouth and you eat it that's my favorite <laughs> that is fantastic oh my gosh <laughs> oh man so if you're just listening to this, she just described how she made that with her hand. That's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> how about, um, I got a couple more questions. How about a favorite, like, is there a favorite place that you visited before or a place that's on the bucket list that you would like to see one day? I'm a little sheltered. No, I, I have. So I have, I just got my pass. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I applied for my passport right before the um, pandemic and it was delayed for a few months and I finally got it, but now we can't go anywhere, right? <laughs> now you can't go. <laughs> so I wanna go to South Korea. Mm. 
um, because I love the culture, which I never thought I would, but I do. I want to go to South Korea. Um, I want to go, I would love to go to see a beautiful um, uh, ocean with clear crystal blue water. Mm. I don't care where that is. <laughs> That's just where it is, wherever that is. Um, but I haven't really been, I haven't traveled much. And so that's one of the things that I really would like to do. And so hopefully we'll be able to do that. So. I'm with you. I have the, uh, I have the 50 states on my bucket list and I'm still about 27 states away. What? So this year I was supposed to be at three different states and I'm, I'm not going to be at any. So, okay. That is awesome. So um, here's my last question. And this is a question I love asking all of my guests. And here's the question. LaTanya, 10 years older, is knocking at your door. What is she saying to you today? Can I give you two? You can give me say, as many as you want. Absolutely. <laughs> this is your okay. answer. I, I would say, first of all, love you, yourself. Hmm. Um. A lot of times people kind of have something they're searching for and they think it's out there somewhere. And the 100% tr truth is when we start loving ourselves, we won't, we won't accept anything that's not good for our lives. And some of the worst decisions and mistakes that I've made have been for a lack of really loving and valuing myself. And maybe 20 years ago, I would, I would say that to myself. And then I would say, um, you're not, you're not supposed to live your life trying to have things, houses and cars and all these things that really don't matter and don't last. We need to be live. I need to be focused on who, who can I help? What need, what need can I meet? And, you know, my, what is God's purpose for my life? Not you know, and not things, not obtaining some title or success or whatever it is. But, and, and I think that the most important thing is to figure out, you know, why you're here, mm. figure out why you're here and, and, and everything else is not important. You know, when at, you know, at the end, at the end, we're not going to be able to take any of this stuff with us and nobody's going to care about my title or anything else they're not going to care about your house your car your title but they are going to care about how you treated them mm. whether you love the people who were unlovable or needed it whether you care for the sick the poor those that were here that needed us whether we did that and that's what's going to matter and i hope that i can keep telling myself that not just 10 years ago but today and every day that's what we need to be living for Listen, that is fantastic. I, I am so grateful for you coming on the show today and uh, sharing your story, uh, inspiring me. And I know there's going to be many, many others that are going to be inspired uh, by some of the things you shared today. And I appreciate you just sharing your wisdom or perspective. If someone wanted to learn more about you, wanted had questions around certification, how would it be the best way that they could follow you or connect with you? Um, easiest thing is LinkedIn. If they're on LinkedIn, please check, just um, message me on LinkedIn or let's connect there. And of course, um, uh, Texas Sherm has all of my contact information. Reach out to our Texas Sherm um, representatives. And, and Bruce, you've been amazing. You have um, been more than a friend. You've made yourself um, more than just a, a coworker or cohort in the profession that you've been a friend to people. And that means a whole lot. I still have my letter that you wrote 
I, I thought you were going to, I honestly didn't realize what was in this envelope. Um, questions is what I thought, you know, I'm going to get questions that he said he was going to send me and I got the email and then I open this and I go, oh my gosh. Um, but you've been a friend to people and you've been building relationships and you, and you just don't have any walls, you know? It's not your name. You don't live up to your name. <laughs> not living up to Waller, am I? Oh, no. man. Oh, that's fantastic. That, okay, so this is, uh, I know we're about to the end here, but this is like the funniest thing ever. So you thought I was going to send you the questions. I emailed, but I actually just got through finishing a 70-30 challenge, and that is send 70 notes in 30 days and uh, share that with people that have made a difference in your life. And Latanya, you're one of those people. And I, well, and I appreciate, and so, wow, that surprised me that you had that note today. Um, listen, you are an inspiration. I want you, I just want to encourage you to keep sharing your story. I know that uh, this is going to actually post on, I believe, October the 31st. So uh, I'll share more information uh, with you once that gets posted. People okay. are going to really enjoy this, and I know that they're going to learn a lot and, and be able to apply some of the things that you had to share today. So I appreciate you, and, and most importantly, I appreciate your friendship. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks for having me.